Today on the Topping Show, Whole Foods in San Francisco called the police 568 times in 13 months. USAA posts a first loss in 100 years. Matt Gates and AOC to propose a congressional stock buy ban. Vice Media to be sold to George Soros. Live Nation posts a record revenue, while Warner Brothers posts a $1.1 billion loss. And Berkshire Hathaway posts a $35.5 billion Q1 profit. All while work productivity seems to hit a 75-year low. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. Tease me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner, use a little assistance. Grease the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, we have Warner Brothers posting a $1.1 billion loss for Q1. Not too surprising since they are currently restructuring after the $40 billion merger with Discovery. And Warner Brothers is telling investors that they project their streaming services to turn a first profit ever by the end of 2023, which would be quite remarkable considering the seemingly oversaturated market with everyone who has three cents has a streaming service. Every single major traditional news network has it. Traditional legacy media has it. It's not just Netflix anymore. So there's a lot of competition. Warner Brothers has a lot of intellectual property and with this merger, obviously they're gaining more resources. So maybe it'll post profit, but again, it's becoming more and more saturated time shall tell. Now their overall revenue dropped by 5% to 10.7 billion. On the upside, Warner Brothers know that they added 1.6 million streamers in Q1. So now they have a total of 97.6 million streamers or subscribers globally, which is a pretty substantial number relatively speaking to the market. Now. The downside is the company has about $49.9 billion in gross debt. And that'll be partially just because of the acquisition. So time shall tell to see what is really going to go on for the Warner Brothers company. Now, on the upside, Berkshire Hathaway nets $35.5 billion in Q1 profits. And they also reject woke investments. Now, Warner Brothers... They're going down. Berkshire Hathaway, perhaps the most successful investment companies in history, famously owned and controlled by Warren Buffett out of Nebraska. Now, they made six times the profit compared to 2002. In 2022, they had a reported profit of $5.6 billion. And the reason they were making such a tremendous amount of money right now is because they sold billions in stock, invested very little. They actually sold about $13.5 billion specifically in Q1 stock. They repurchased about $4.4 billion of its own stock. Then they purchased about $2.9 billion in other publicly traded companies. They noted that most of their gains are coming from insurance companies that were offsetting the losses and decreased revenues they're seeing in their real estate and consumer product segments that they also own. Interestingly enough, they also rejected many proposals for ESG. Now, Specifically, the shareholders of Berkshire Hathaway rejected six proposals for environmental, social, and governments, also known as ESG, changes. And they were also proposed by, to Warren and the board. They also rejected it. So the number of people who rejected it in terms of the shareholders of the company 
is a three to one against those initiatives. Probably because they trust Warren Buffett because he's the most successful trader in history. All, well, actually, a little caveat, the only one better is Nancy Pelosi's husband who consistently makes better choices than Warren Buffett somehow magically. He's just that good. Nothing at all suspicious going on there. Nevertheless, going back to Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, their investors trust him because he's made the best, most prudent business decisions and investing decisions in my lifetime. And he always chooses mainly tangible products that people people will use on a regular basis, whether that's he's a famous investor in Coca-Cola, Geico, tangible products and services that the everyman will consume. And over a long, long time, no matter how much he pays for those companies, they usually turn out to be long, fruitful endeavors. Now, there's always someone trying to push him aside, of course. However, I wasn't too surprised to see the ratio of people who said, let's keep him. Now, there's a vote on should we move, remove Warren Buffett from the chairman position. And they voted to keep him, not, not a two to one ratio. They voted it 10 to one to keep him as chairman, which is a huge, huge boat of confidence in his leading abilities, as well as his ability to actually start, maintain, and grow the company investment firm. So, as usual, he's making the best business decisions on the market, not too surprising, and he knows that most businesses, the purpose is to serve the consumer, make a, make a fantastic profit or product or service, and make a profit. ESG is much more about social governance, and things are seemingly impossible to measure in some categories and do not actually help the end user or the consumer. They're more ancillary, many might say. So it's not too surprising to see that they currently entrust his vision with the business long term. Now, other interesting businesses, you have a Live Nation posting a record revenue, and that revenue is about $3.1 billion, and that's up 73% compared to 2022 Q1. This is in spite of having botched the ticket sales with Taylor Swift. And for those who don't know, Live Nation is a natural monopoly, some might say. They started off... Like many businesses, they started off relatively small, great concept of being a, a ticket reseller, reseller, and throughout the years, they've bought dozens of other companies. Famously, they expanded to online. They were a very early adopter. And now, basically, they also own venues and have exclusivity contracts with venues. When I say venues, things of like football stadiums, concert stadiums, anywhere where artists are performing. And because they own many of them. There are a couple of artists who have tried to boycott them, but they couldn't because all the places they would perform can only use Live Nation to sell the tickets. And there's a lot of frustration because, of course, Live Nation and the tickets are much more expensive than if you just go directly to the actual artist or the venue. But they have that exclusivity contract. And they got in a lot of hot water recently. The fans were furious when there was a record, it was, I believe, a world record for people trying to buy those Taylor Swift tickets to hear about that latest guy that made her cry because it's always a guy's fault according to the research I've I've done. I think she's in her... It's hard not... She's had some... Statistically speaking, she, she's had some pretty rough luck in terms of every guy she's ever met seems to be terrible. Nevertheless, a lot of people worship her and the site crashed. So many people wanted to get those tickets. And in terms of these days, in terms of IT, that's pretty much inexcusable. When your your main job as a company is to sell tickets online, 
and you know this is the most popular artist ever, you need how can you not have the infrastructure behind that? Or if you don't have a traditional data center where you own the actual hardware where you're hosting this site and this process the processes for it, why not use Azure, AWS, or a cloud platform that has a consumption model where if you go over capacity, they just charge you on a credit card. So you don't have a crash if it's set up properly. You just have greater fees. But I, I wasn't able to find out if they actually own their own hardware. But nowadays, people expect a seamless, flawless interaction when you're trying to purchase a product online. Amazon's really late. They've raised it to a whole new level. I think the last time you bought a book or whatever you buy on Amazon, 99.99% of the time, it doesn't crash. You just buy it. It works, it arrives ahead of schedule, and if there's ever an issue, you return it seemingly through an also false experience as well. So that's elevated the whole e-commerce user experience. So a lot of people are furious when they're trying to buy these tickets where there's a very few amount of them, and so many people want it. Imagine the frustration of you're clicking that button, the website's crashing every couple of minutes, and you might not get to see Taylor Swift cry about the latest boyfriend or whoever. So from there, consumer experience, they're furious, but there's not much they can do. They can't really boycott it because, again, those exclusivity contracts. Now, it was astonishing. In a single day last November, 2 million Taylor Swift tickets were sold on their website, despite all the crashes and all the myriad of issues that went down with it. And they're increasing exponentially. Q1, over 19 million people attended events across 45 countries utilizing their ticket sale platform. Now, they've had some congressional hearings, I believe last, so last year actually about monopoly practices. So actually, I digress, it was in January. So Jack, the CEO of SeatGeek, alleged that in the hearing that many venue owners, quote, fear losing Live Nation concert tickets if they don't use Ticketmaster, unquote, Ticketmaster's owned by Live Nation. And he's a, it's hard to say their competitor, but Jack is the CEO of SeatGeek, that's a competitive service but Ticketmaster and LiveNation are so overwhelmingly large, it's to, to call it really competition is a stretch, but they have these congressional hearings where people are saying it's monopoly, but it's kind of like Microsoft. There's not much, the government could attempt to break them up, but at the same time, I don't see LiveNation and Ticketmaster going out and doing extra acquisi acquisitions and purchases, which the government could strike down and, un and they could block those, but they seem to be doing a lot of organic, organically the past couple of years. So, I mean, time shall tell to see what's really going on there, but it's a tricky situation because they're basically locked in with every venue you like to use. And the artists, I mean, they just want to put on a show, but they're also in that precarious position where people are getting upset with the artists. But a lot of people don't realize, oh yeah, they get revenue share, which is true, but they're not in control of that infrastructure, of that customer experience, which further adds to the disdain and overall dissatisfaction. Now, other sad business news, you have USAA. They're one of the oldest companies when it comes to insurance. So they're based over in San Antonio, Texas, established June, June 20th in 1922. So a little over a hundred years old. And for the first time ever, they posted a loss. And even more interesting, I did some more research. It wasn't just them. It was nearly all the insurance companies who so had State Farm, Geico, and Allstate all posted annual losses on their balance sheets. Now, time shall tell to see what's behind the scenes really causing this. Now, the CEO of USAA, Wayne Peacock, noted that they deal 
They had to deal with the supply chain issues and record inflation in 2022, which are both very true, although I guess I'm a little confused with supply chain since when you think of insurance, a lot of it is, well, no, I guess you do have the online infrastructure, you have their websites and stuff, but if you're writing checks for people to repair the cars and they can't get materials to repair the cars, so I guess that's a sound reason. It's just these days I've become so desensitized to every single industry and company using it as a crutch. I've gotten to the point where I almost second guess, well, wait, wait a minute, does it really affect your business? I mean, how so? But lo and behold, you just got to think of the ripple effect or the domino effect, and more often than not, it does. Now, interestingly enough, they recorded a 36 billion dollar revenue in 2022 granted that is about three percent lower than the previous year and when they were asked a little bit more they noted that quote investment returns declined 44 percent driven by the absence of large prior year investment gains and weak equity market performance as markets continue to be impacted by high inflation and a weakened global economy unquote now unfortunately they've also had a reduction in headcounts they reduced about one percent of their workforce lately and this is two months after they laid off 130 members of their mortgage services department. Now, that's not too surprising when you consider the housing market right now. You got, again, 40-year record inflation. You have the rates exponentially increasing. So it's naturally decreasing the amount of people that want to go out and try to buy a house when you're paying such, you're paying such a premium because of the interest rates. So that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that you're seeing such a dramatic decrease in the number of house purchases. And of course, if you have less people purchasing houses, you don't need as many people facilitating those mortgages. So it is unfortunate they had to lay those off, but it is also quite logical. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, we have to go and reevaluate the culture of San Francisco, which, wind back the clock a couple decades ago, was a pinnacle of tech innovation and some... I mean, some of the most best food, great place. And of course, you have the cliche, the weather's always perfect. Unfortunately, the culture is continuing to deteriorate. You have Whole Foods in San Francisco. They filed 568 police reports in 13 months. Now, you don't have to be a match genius to realize that is much more than one per day. And that is a lot. So what was going on there? And you're not going to be too surprised. So you had rampant drug use in the restrooms. You had... It, these are humans. These are people in San Francisco defecating on the floors of the actual grocery chain, grocery store. And you also had violence to the staff. And also, not too surprised, but not one or two shopping carts were stolen. 200 of 200 shopping carts were stolen from the store. And this is the same city where we reported last week where it's gotten so bad, Target is locking up not just their toothpaste and mouthwash, everything. So there's a viral video on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where they walk through the store at Target in San Francisco, everything is behind a locked plexiglass or some type of transparent glass or barrier, and you have to ask for assistance. And again, this is coming from just the cultural decay and also the political, they're voting for this, they decide to decriminalize or de- they dropped the misdemeanors in which if you steal anything below $950 is basically not prosecuted. So humans and any animals really, they respond to incentives and respond to stimuli. If you're telling them, oh yeah, you're not going to get in trouble if you steal anything below $950. Well, guess what? You're going to have an exponential increase in people stealing those things. And it's just 
rough position to put your employees in because obviously it's violent as all hell. Now, the security guards were also assaulted with knives and fire extinguishers, oddly enough. So I don't know how they're going to quote unquote take back that city or turn things around, but you really need the community to come together and decide, is this the city and the legacy you really want? Businesses are leaving in droves. They're closing down the Whole Foods. It's just a terrible situation. Would you want to raise a family there? Yet alone, how do you start and maintain a business? It's just prohibitively expensive. It's prohibitively dangerous. So at the end of the day, and time shall tell, the community, in my opinion, need to come together and decide, what kind of city do we want to be? Where do we want to be in a couple of years? How do we get there? Do we keep doing the same thing we've been doing for decades? Probably not a prudent decision, but they seem to be keeping it. They seem to keep making that same decision, and that's their prerogative, I suppose. Although it's heart-wrenching for the pe people that aren't in a position to move. Though at the same time, if there's a will, there's a way. And I wish them the best. Now, other interesting cultural news. One of the most fascinating cultural phenomenons in terms of reporting and independent media was Vice News. And they're apparently going to be sold to George Soros, or more appropriately, his investment company. Now... Vice News used to be known for the most outlandish, interesting, unique stories out there. The opposite of politically correct. It was a thing where I had friends on the left, on the right, on the center. Many people appreciated a lot of the original content they did. When CNN was reporting on Afghanistan and other war zones using a green screen and subsequently being turned out to be a fraud when they pretended to be there, but they weren't really. Vice Mino is actually sending people into war zones, into cartels. They're interviewing drug lords in third world countries. It was shocking, very original, and quite a unique reporting experience. And I found it quite fascinating myself. Now, unfortunately, it sounds like they sold out many years ago. So the company right now has $250 million in debt with George Soros, and they're going out of business. They're going through bankruptcy, and... It looks like it's going to be a $400 million buyout of the bankruptcy. They're currently in talks with their top lenders, including the two being Fortress Investment and Soros Fund Management being George Soros's company. Now, Soros already gave them $250 million in debt. So I believe, I believe this means if he spends $150 more, then he gets the whole company. And astonishingly enough, there's Tim Poole used to work there and he reported on his podcast on what was that pivotal moment that really tipped the company from independent to mainstream to being politically correct to being bending at the knee and doing whatever the man might say? I know it's a cliche saying, or in this case, maybe woman. Now, there's a rumor where Tim Pool's friend who used to work there and used to be a higher up in the company, they claimed that the company was having all these awesome independent reporting, very off the cuff, you know, but apparently they were accused of sexual harassment and the investors told Vice, we want you to become basically a feminist company in order to overcome the negative press that you're getting from this allegation for sexual harassment, thereby becoming impervious, some might say. Kind of like how you never see certain news age outlets or people accused of wrongdoings because they have certain political ideologies. It's disgusting, there used to be a time where Every man was judged by his actions, regardless of political affiliations or skin tone. I, that's what all the civil rights leaders had in mind back in the day. It's what all Americans should believe in is equal opportunity, equal justice for all. Now, 
they claim that as soon as this happened, they became extremely left-leaning. They stopped doing a lot of their more aggressive, unique stories. And because of that, they became more bland, more cookie cutter, and less people wanted to tune in because if we wanted that, they would just watch CNN or Fox News. They go, those are already established media companies, so they're already doing that. So the company used to be worth $5.7 billion. But because they acquiesced to the investors and they chose the direction that they did, they got less and less quality articles, less and less, pe less, and less people were tuning into it. And they got to the point where it was, now it's, it's being negotiated to be worth $400 million, down from $5.7 billion. Perhaps that belongs in the business blunder of the day. However, we have another interesting story for that. Now, going on to the politics part of the podcast, interesting you do have some bipartisan support for something. You have Matt Gates as well as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, or AOC, some might say. Now, they are teaming up to try to pass a bill that will ban congressional members from stock purchases. And although I might disagree with 99.965% of what she says, this is a good idea. So mark this day on the calendars. Either Matt Gates brought this to her or she thought of this herself. There is debates if she has independence thoughts. Time shall tell. More research is needed. But this is something I certainly agree with for both of them. This could be a good idea. You're also asking for government to do something to limit themselves. The odds are not in the favor of this passing, unfortunately. Now, specifically, House Representatives Matt Gates, who's a Republican for Florida, AOC is a Democrat Socialist from New York. This would ban Congress members from trading individual stocks. Now, this is uh, coming out of the light of more poor people scrutinizing. How are, you, how are these people in government paid? I think they're only paid, I think, believe $150,000, which is still a vast amount of money I could, that many people can't possibly imagine. But people are starting to wonder, wonder, if they're getting paid that much, why are they worth millions upon millions of dollars? There's a little discrepancy there. Now, there's also a lot of critique about Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, who, again, he's had, the, he's had better trades than Warren Buffett. Let that, stink, let that sink in for a second. He is better than the best. Yeah, most people agree that's not possible ethically. Now, a lot of traders has also raised eyebrows in recent years, including former Senator Richard Burr, who sold $1.7 million in stock on February 13, 2020, conveniently after he was briefed of the threat of the coronavirus, COVID-19 virus. So he knew about that threat before the American public did. He subsequently sold a stock, and then as soon as the American public knew, the stock market tanked. Convenient timing for him, to say the least. Now, more recently, you're also having some members who sold bank stocks during the initial collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in March. So this stock specifically, this bill around stock, bill would prevent congressional lawmakers and their spouses and dependents from trading individual stocks. If the bill passed, they would have 90 days to either divest the stocks or place the assets in a qualified blind trust in which they don't have control over what stocks are bought or sold in the account. Which certainly makes sound sense when they're making so many decisions that do direct individually publicly traded companies, whether that's aerospace or technology, I mean, during the COVID-19 outbreak, magically, a lot of the senators and a lot of people in Congress 
They all invested in tech companies that specialized in remote technologies, such as Zoom, NVIDIA, a lot of these technologies that enable companies to work not in an office. And of course, those stocks just shot up exponentially as demand grew because everyone had to be working from home. So it'll be interesting thing to see how this plays out, but it is nice to see some folks on the left and the right coming together. And I think there's certainly public support for this type of a bill. Now time shall tell if they're able to convince their other members of Congress that this is a good idea to limit their how much money they can make subsequently. But I think there was a time when most people agreed that public service, it was a service. You weren't necessarily meant to go there to profit. A lot of people argue if you work for the public government, you should be making less than the private sector. You're making a sacrifice to serve your country. It's not something where it's really, it is a little unusual where you're going there and you're becoming a millionaire. So I think more and more people, I think this might be a smart political move for some folks to actually agree with them and use that as a campaign tool because a lot of the public would support that. So they might lose out some money, but they would get more votes. And a lot of people would argue it's also doing the right thing. Certainly an interesting idea. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, perhaps this is the most controversial one of all. I almost want to say it is work from home. Now, let me specifically dive in. According to a report which Fortune released that was performed by EY Parthenion, they noted that work productivity is at a 75-year low, which I thought was an astonishing amount of decrease. Now, the debate is around why is this? Is it, there's a lot, of, a lot of variables, but two of the biggest variables we've seen in the past 24 months, especially I would say are working from home, you have inflation throughout the roof, and you also have just overall the economy being pummeled into nothingness. So it's hard to say if it's a single variable, there's not really a way to do a single variable analysis, I don't think, but. Those are the three big things I've noticed uh, in terms of what's changed in the past two or three years in terms of the work environment, the economy. Now, the research from the management company, EY Parthen, analyzed data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they found that employee productivity dropped 2.7% in the first quarter of 2023. This is a 0.9% decrease year over year. Now, their article, they claim that inflation, burnout, and flexibility were some of the main things they believe are behind this, including bringing up higher labor costs and making the compensation compensation trickier. Now, it's very unpopular to say work from home doesn't work, or more grammatically attractive might say work from home is ineffective. And it really is a personality thing. Many people I know work much more efficiently at home because they are self-disciplined. And unfortunately, that's becoming a rare, rare thing these days, these days in the United States, I think. But if someone is well-disciplined, they can certainly achieve the same or more working from home. Now, the real question is, is that the average? Everyone says they're more productive when they brag about it on LinkedIn and all these websites. And there are certainly upsides in terms of you don't have to spend hours in traffic. You also don't have to worry about paying for tolls, gasoline. There are a lot of upsides fiscally for the employee. But is the productivity really higher when a lot of people who work from home, they are inherently a myriad of increased distractions. 
that take you away from doing your job? Whether that's, I know folks who are talking to them that they will randomly want to clean their living room on a Wednesday at 1 p.m. Or it's become where their hours are changing. I almost, I want to know how many people are really working beyond 5 p.m. Many people claim they are and they're like, oh, that's why I can do this and this throughout the day. But there's a lot of people who still just clock out at 5 p.m. because they're not invested in their career or their role. So time shall tell if, as these studies get more and more granular, is that the main contributing factor? And there's already speculation from CEOs that want people to come back to the office. And there are a lot of benefits to that, including you have tax benefits where a lot of these companies, they have to pay state income tax. And a lot of these businesses are negotiating with cities, states, and local municipalities where they say if they move their headquarters there, they won't have to pay taxes for I believe 15 years or something like that. I think that's what Toyota did when they moved to Plano, Texas. And part of the reason they have those benefits is because the cities know they're going to be bringing thousands of employees. And you have that ripple effect where if you have thousands of employees going to that office every single day, you're supporting not only the local gas stations, not only the local municipalities, you're also re supporting the local economy from a restaurant perspective. If you have 5,000 employees going to a building every single day, a fair amount of them are going to leave that building, go to the general vicinity around it. They're going to spend a lot of money at local restaurants, local businesses. So there's a lot of upside to having those relationships. But as everyone's working from home, there are cities that are starting to pressure these businesses to put employees back in the office. That's one of the things that a lot of people are thinking about. A lot of people don't realize there's more than one, a couple of reasons CEOs are pushing for work from home to end. And because of this big loss of productivity, they might have more justification in their minds to push people to go back to the brick and mortar, back to the office. Now, time shall tell how that works out. And of course, every business is a little different. But for the United States to have the productivity go to a 75 year low when everyone says they're more productive, they're working harder. I mean, I know it's not for everyone, but that just seems to be a business blunder. If you have all the tools and technologies in the world, but you're getting less done, there certainly, certainly needs to be some type of a turnaround plan or something to reinvigorate their investment. Time shall tell how that turns out, but as far as I can tell right now, the study, just seeing that drop of productivity, that's, that's a, that has to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Don't forget, if you like this show, to hit that like button, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things helps build the channel up. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe, fight the good fight.